Welcome to the Backroom of Politics. Artificial intelligence is something that we hear an awful lot about these days and probably, one way or the other, have some interaction with it. A lot of people probably think it's just that uh, uh, various bots or otherwise called Karen who help you out when you're in trouble with something. Uh, but it is much more than that and potentially uh, quite a, a game changer for the way in which uh, we interact with each other, the way in which we live and the way in which our lives uh, progress. I'm joined today in the backroom politics uh, by Madeline Newman uh, from the Artificial Intelligence Forum of New Zealand and the, the Honourable Judith Collins, uh, who has over the last couple of years taken a very strong interest in the opportunities that the tech sector, technology sector, might provide for New Zealand in the future. Uh, so can I begin today by welcoming you both into the back room uh, and perhaps ask first Madeline your definition of uh, artificial intelligence. Kia ora, um, Jerry. Uh, very lovely to, to join you here today, both of you. Um, uh, so I had a look on our forum, actually, our forum website for an, uh, when I first, I've been enrolled for about 12 months, and when I first joined, I, I looked there to see if we did have a definition of artificial intelligence, and we don't. And one of the reasons for that is that it's, um, it is uh, quite a, it's a very broad church. Um, I guess the best way to describe it is something that it's not, so it's not natural intelligence, so it's not the intelligence that we have in, operating inside our brain, uh, though it does mimic that in some instances. So there are there are some very good examples of um, biomimicry uh, where, where people, for example, have um, mapped a bee's brain and now use that to drive things like independent robots and um, uh, other, other operations like that. So I guess from a artificial intelligence perspective, it's something that's not not natural, but we've created. And uh, Judith, how would you describe it? It's um, an interesting interesting that the forum itself is so broad in its uh, research and, and other activities that it, there's no specific uh, definition. I think it's, um, thanks, Jerry, and uh, great to be here with you and Madeline. Look, I think at its broadest, it is almost basic, it is that you take computer science and then you add to that really robust databases. And so the computer science gives some meaning and some um, structure to how you use those databases. And so it's um, that's you know one of the ways that it's you could define it. It's basically a combination of both. And as Madeline says, it's not human intelligence, natural intelligence, but it is certainly mimics it in certain ways. So how do you see the um, New Zealand uh, science community, uh, you know, the, the computer people who are engaged in all of this, uh, taking advantage of what will be, I think, a really fast-moving technology, rapidly developing technology uh, to New Zealand's best interest? And how do you also defeat some of the scary stuff that's put out there about uh, artificial intelligence? Oh, is that for me or for Madeline? Well, either of you. you know, either, just, okay, well, I'll, I'll have a, a go. It's a conversation here. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll have a go. So, Jerry, remember, you know, when we're in government and we have all this information coming through and we say, well, what's the best thing to do with this? How do you find solutions from this information? And this is one of the great tools for it. So if we go back to and, and even think forward to the... Um, you know, the better public services projects where we're looking at lots of data coming in and then saying, so what now? And that's the point, isn't it? This is this gives 
us a huge opportunity to take data and then to use it for great outcomes rather than just go, well, that's a really important and interesting report, but where do we move to now? So immense, immense opportunities in government to do better for New Zealanders, um, but immense in business as well. And I'll maybe pass off to Madeline now. Um, yeah, so I completely agree with you there, Judith. There is a huge amount of um, opportunity in this space, and we're really, really good at this stuff. So our research is second to none. So our universities are pumping out some amazing stuff. We're really, really good at this stuff. Um, we have examples in New Zealand of the first, so um, as an example, so Frankly AI are the first, we're the first company in the world to productionalize the use of ChatGPT. Um, and, that, and they use that to produce um, uh to produce Tureo uh, chatbots and things like that. So from a customer service angle. So we are really, really good at this stuff. And um, uh, by the same token, we're not, um, uh, unfortunately, until until sort of the last sort of three months or so or six months, when everybody got quite excited about ChatGPT because it made, it made this whole world a little bit more accessible and a little bit more understandable for people. Prior to that, we had a really poor uptake, so really poor adoption of um, of these you know, of AI capabilities. Um, and I guess what you can think about it doing is it makes you superhuman, and it allows you to make much better use of your existing resources. It, it allows you to make much better decisions. And it's a really good partner to have. Um, so if you want to improve your productivity in your business, if you want to um, if you want to, uh, you know, even on a personal level or on a on a company wide level, um, do do things better and do better things. It's a really, really, really strong partner to have, and we'd encourage everybody to have a um, have a look at it, um, quite seriously. One of the things that I uh, picked up recently was uh, concerns that, uh, you know, schools have, um, other education institutes have, institutions have. Uh, where people might be using artificial intelligence to write essays or, or um, you know, reports or, or present some research or, or whatever. I had um, one incident where a school was particularly wound up because uh, two of their pupils who had not been all that brilliant at uh, uh, their, their work to that date, their studies to that point, produced, uh, you know, sort of an A-grade type uh, uh, output. Um, and and ultimately, when they were challenged, they very quickly capitulated and said, "Oh, well, actually, this is how we did it." Um, do you think that's a problem? Um, because I'm, I'm of two minds about that. I think there's a degree of uh, one on the one hand, entrepreneurial spirit that says, "Right, I've got a problem. How do I fix it?" Uh, on the other, there are issues about uh, the, the uh, provenance of the work that's being presented. So, how do you how do you view all of that? And is it going to cause us problems? when that type of situation is extrapolated across a, a whole commercial community? So I don't think it's it's a problem, I think, it, other than the fact that um, it needs to be recognised. So this this thing's not going to go away. The genie is out of the bottle. Um, it is um, integrated into most of the tools that you use. Um, if you, you know, it, you, can, you can throw away your iPad and your laptop and you'll still be impacted by AI. So there's a number of things that, um, from an education perspective, you can do. One of those is to promote, promote something called critical thinking, and that then allows um, allows people to uh, or gives gives um, students the tool sets to be able to recognise when they're being talked to um, by uh, by somebody or something that might have been artificially generated. 
help help on those sorts of um, situations. Um, but the other thing, so one of the really interesting things that's just come out of, coming out of Victoria University, and there's a guy called Simon McCullum there who's um, pretty active in, in Wellington at the moment and, and helping a number of government departments, including the Ministry of Education, to start to understand this. Um, he's come up with a, um, a traffic light system, and they've been trialling this at Victoria for the last sort of 18 months to two years. Uh, and what that does is allow allows the um, uh, the lecturer or teacher to provide the ground rules for the for the students um, when they're using when they're um, when they're producing work um, and and how they then interact with um, with AI um, and, and you know whether that's ChatGPT or whatever else it might be um, and I think and, and part of that it, it changes the way that you then assess students. So for example, if I'm producing written work, is absolutely I can use ChatGPT. Um, to do some of that, it won't get it all right. So I'm, ne- uh, you know, you're not going to get 100% using ChatGPT unless you're, um, uh, because it does hallucinate, it does make things up. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, uh, sorry, and the the, um, uh, but if you if you think about it from a perspective of asking people to explain verbally what they've done, you can't you can't sort of fake that one. So right. perhaps a change in the way that you assess, assess students. So maybe it's more yeah. of a combination of written and then, okay, so you've written this thing. Tell me about it. Do you, do you, do you understand what you've written? Yeah, okay. Judith, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think so too. And, and Jerry, when we were at school, you know, we weren't allowed to use um, calculators, remember? Yeah. I mean, all right, now I think about trying to do bursary maths by the hand with logbooks. And the fact is, is that um, we were sort of like the last generation to not get to use um, cohort not get to use modern technology what was then very exciting we had slide rules I mean come on you know the fact is it's new technology it's going to be used as Madeline says you just have to rethink how what you're testing and you know I mean, doctors you know medical doctors always say that they, the hardest exam they have is that one where they have to go and get actually grilled about what they know and how they do things and maybe you know we need to upgrade um, those sorts of things because this idea of just working on written assignments and just doing all that and um, that's always been subjected to cheating and manipulation but also this is just another tool and I certainly am very happy to use chat GPT um, to draft some of my speeches for instance and then I go back that's my first draft then I go back and I correct it all and I change it all and I put my wording in and I do that so it's a great base um, but it also can get things wrong. So you've really got to go back and check it because, you know, they, they'll have you getting us confused with Australia if you're not careful. Um, so yeah, look, um, careful. <laughs> I'd, I'd actually forgotten about uh, uh, the, the log books and the, um, well, the log books and the, um, the slide yeah. rules. And I suppose when you think about it, um, I, I can remember actually thinking, I wonder who wrote the book or, or came up with all the calculations that give you the numbers in the book. Yeah, and uh, and then of course with the slide rule, who whoever would have uh, come up with that concept? Quite extraordinary. And I guess you go way back to the uh, the abacus, and uh, you could see the development of things. And I, I I would so should AI be seen in the same context? Yeah, well, I think it's an enormously helpful tool. But I'm also very aware that there are concerns around ethical use of it, and I think that that is really important. So. And that's why I've sort of set up the cross-party um, caucus group just to listen and to learn from experts. And we'll get Madeline along 
long as well. She'll come and visit us, I'm sure she will. Um, but these are the sorts of things to think about. And I think, you know, there's massive opportunities in government, but it's more important, I think, in government than anywhere else is that we have very strong ethical principles and guidelines. And um, that's why, you know, we supported the Privacy Act um, changes last year, um, not actually the year before yet last, um, to actually bring in about uh, new ways of looking at privacy around AI. And because basically it's data with lots of software attached to it. So that's really important. But I've seen it in Australia working in New South Wales, um, Department of Customer Service, which is actually taking every agency pretty much that you have to get to deal with um, in government as a citizen and then making it a really good customer focus, a bit like an airline does. Um, yeah. They, yeah. they yeah. use it. There's a reason you and I can <laughs> go onto our phone apps and we can change our, our seat or we can check in. All of, It's because they're using AI and they're not sitting back there with their slide rule. Yeah, that, look, the great thing is when you do that, um, doing it on your cell phone or whatever it is, uh, there's no one there to get mad with you for making so many changes, which is pretty. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. um, so, so Madeline, that, that raises the issue of uh, regulation, uh, potentially, around the use of AI, etc. What's the forum's view on that? Um, do you have a concern that it might, eventually, we might be overly regulated, that some of the innovation that clearly is happening in New Zealand at the moment uh, is is potentially lost because of that uh, 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 regulation. Look, we've been doing a lot of work um, over the last sort of five or six years in this space. Um, so, um, whereas um, countries like uh, like Australia have an AI AI strategy and a centre associated with that, um, we don't necessarily have the, have the same um, luxury here. But it does it hasn't stopped us from doing some of the work. So um, there's trustworthy AI principles. So so talking about trustworthy AI in New Zealand and what that means for us, and that includes things like fairness and justice, um, reliability, security, and privacy. To Judah's point, um, transparency. So so be transparent about when you're using it. Um, Human oversight and accountability. So you can't use an algorithm to to you know to chat your way out of something, um, and, and taking well-being of people seriously. So let's see what the impact on on individual people is, and I guess um, and then building on that, um, we're doing some additional work as well um, to sort of prepare the ground for where regulation might fit. So that so that when we do start to regulate um, more, and there are laws already in New Zealand, as Judith pointed out, that do control the way that you can you can use data and um, and impact people. And there's things like the algorithmic charter as well in government um, that's being implemented at the moment. Um, and some of those things are um, so some of the things we're doing are looking at things like explainable AI. So we've got a working group working on uh, looking at that, and there's some very very big brains, much bigger than mine. Um, looking at that, so do we want to know what's inside the black box? So if you think about AI as um, happening inside a black box, the more complex the decisioning or the better the decisioning you get out, the less um, the less transparent that becomes. So at what point do you do you then um, do you then want to look at um, inputs and outputs or outcomes rather than what's actually happening inside the black box? And what are the implications if you do want to know what's happening inside there? And for example, it often means that you're you're you dumb down your AI to an extent that, um, or your decision making, to an extent that we can actually understand what's going on. Um, and there's another working group looking at large language models and generative AI, 
And with both of these, um, we're looking to bring them to life with use cases. So everybody can understand what we're talking about. So there'll be some quite technical stuff on there, but there'll also be some really good examples. Um, and healthcare is one of those spaces and uh, education and um, um, mental health and, and, and uh, manufacturing and uh, sustainability and all those other good things. Um, just to bring, bring those to life for people. And then alongside that, we're also curating some um, tool sets and frameworks for from the plethora of tool sets and frameworks out there to help companies in New Zealand um, frame AI and adopt AI in a responsible manner and, and in a New Zealand context. So we'll be curating, um, uh, starting to produce this, sorry, sometime towards the end of July um, via a website, free to all, where we, there will be governance tool sets available along with a little blog that sort of talks about it and says so so hi I'm Jerry I used this um I used this tool set uh for this this and this it was really good at doing this not so great at that and if you want to have a chat with me here's my email address and what that allows us to do is to inform and grow um the ecosystem and and adoption of AI in a really responsible way if um uh AI is effectively uh, borrowed intelligence, uh, enhanced intelligence, and uh, you know, melded intelligence coming from all sorts of sources, as uh, you would get from the the, the data sets that uh, Judith talked of before. Um, is there a point where things like intellectual property become uh, somewhat more obscure? I saw a very interesting interview um, recently with the two guys who were the main. Um, songwriters for um, ABBA, uh, what, what, I can't remember the two names, actually, Benny's one of them, um, Born is yeah. the other, that's right. So they they were, they were talking about a show that they put together, which is based on avatars of how they looked in 1979 uh, and using the, the more modern music. They performed all the movements, et cetera, now that they're in their 70s, but nonetheless, a different experience. So you've got that going on. Some of that would be potentially AI, uh, but it's it's very much known technology. But the interesting thing was that the reporter um, brought up a site and uh, instructed the uh, website to produce a song in the style of ABBA, which it did within uh, minutes. And uh, the two guys uh, were very impressed by this and could see that it was definitely something that, they, you know, a style that they would recognise. The question that popped into my head was, who then owns that? Uh, you know, intellectual property and, and uh, copyright and all those things have been very contentious bits of law and uh, constantly needing change. But this is like a, a whole new sort of uh, uh, challenge in that regard. Uh, do you think that's a problem? Or is it that, um, that what we consider to be our own particular uh, set of, of intelligences are now just available to whoever want, whoever wants them? Judith, I'm going to let you go first on this because I am not well, a lawyer. I actually think it's a great, a great example, Jerry. Um, it's I think it's a minefield, um, but it's it's certainly interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's like I guess what will happen is that copyright law and trademarking will need to adjust, and and that's it, really, isn't it? It's going to have to look and say, is that something that is so close to ever? And if it's used as and sold as ever, that's a different thing because that would clearly be um, outside the current regime. But in terms of is it in the style of ever, is it anything more than a tribute? 
um, like those tribute bands. Um, I'm not sure that it would necessarily be a copyright breach if it's in the style of, and I think that's the point. Who owns it? Um, probably nobody, actually. It's a bit like the air, really. Who owns it? We all use it, but we don't actually own it. Well, there's plenty around who want to claim it. But, um, <laughs> uh, and, and you can sort of almost see, or I could immediately see that uh, this would be a fantastic area for trade negotiators to get themselves into uh, small rooms discussing the, the, the merits of, of one regime over another. But it, I, I think, um, you know, trying to come to terms with the, the possibilities of artificial intelligence and the accessibility is the other thing. How accessible yep. is it right now to, uh, you know, just to anyone that's just sort of off the street, as it were? That's actually, Absolutely. yeah, people are using it all the time and, you know, they don't even realise often that they are using it. But What's an example of, of current usage that people may not be totally aware that this is artificial oh, well, intelligence? Well, well, Google Maps. <laughs> um, yeah. um, you know, there's really not somebody there taking my instructions and um, finding me the easiest way through to get to somewhere um, and telling me if I go that way, it's 31 minutes. If I go the other way, it's 34. Um, that is actually, you know, a use of data and um, and software. But Madeline, you get to it. I've just used Google Maps this morning. So I'm just thinking of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'd be lost these days without Google Maps. Oh, yeah. So I think lots of people would be. And, that, and that's part of the thing. So you used to have, so you used to have a map of the world or a map of your world inside your head. And now you don't because you don't need to. So you don't, you're not remembering all of those things. And maybe you've got space to remember other things instead, or maybe, you know, maybe that's good or bad. Don't know. That would be a judgment call. Um, other places where you're using it, where you, where you may not be aware. Um, so just in your everyday life, if you're using any of the um, Microsoft products now, they all have something in the background. So if you use, if you use Word, Microsoft Word, and you use a summary function, it's using, um, it's using a chat GPT um, engine to drive that. Um, to drive your summary um, if you if you go onto um, edge so Microsoft edge at the moment and you type in Bing it'll bring up um, it'll bring up chat uh, chat GPT right beside you so um, and you can you can punch in whatever you like um, and it'll it'll have a conversation with you so you don't need to download anything you don't need to go to open AI anymore for that it's literally right there on the internet and same on the other side and um and google and places like that so um bard is available uh, it's the thing that finishes your sentences for you um i know that probably used to be your wife but um now it's it's um ai is doing that for you um it's the thing that it, it, it's the thing that predicts what you're going to say next so when you're if you're i don't know if you use gmail but if you are um it's the thing that's predicting the next thing that you're most likely to say and it, and the nice thing, the thing that we I guess we haven't covered very much is the fact that it's artificial intelligence means it's learning. So it's learning from you and it, it's adopting over time. It will adopt your style because it understands it's watching what you do and it's changing things so that it's more like what you would say, not what I would say, for example. Um, and, and that, Judith, that'll work with um, uh, your, your chat GPT script writing as well. So um, you'll get, you end up with a, with a, with a, something that's, over time, it will become much closer to what Judith would really say. Yes, exactly. Yeah. If only we get there now. Yeah. Your uh, your maps example, uh, Judith, was a really interesting one. I was um, in London earlier this year and re remembered uh, the first time I was ever there, uh, everyone walked around with an A to Z. I don't know if you remember those things. I do. I do. And they were great bulky things that people carried around, a book of maps. 
And, you know, we always had them in our cars and all that sort of thing. Nowadays, you just don't even think about that stuff. And it all happens very quickly. So the the um, uh, enhancement that uh, AI can provide our lives is quite considerable. Um, what do you think is the next step for New Zealand in all of this? Um, Judith, you'd have a perspective from looking at so many companies now uh, who are engaged in activities that will rely to some extent on on AI. Well, and, I think uh, that, yeah, yeah, I think there's a huge opportunity um, for us in New Zealand around digitising government, and that's actually bringing in a far more um, better use of AI for people to interact with government. And I think that 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 is really huge. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'll deal and Madeline deal with the businesses, but. In terms of government, what does that mean? It means that when you you go onto a Ministry of Justice website to see whether or not you have a criminal conviction, which we had to do as we reapplied to be um, uh, candidates for political office for the National Party, and of course you had to get download and do all those sorts of things. That is the sort of thing where um, we are now used to going straight into websites and getting what we need or ordering something that we need. In um, in government terms, there are opportunities for um, the population of the same information you give to one ministry to be populated through to another ministry so that when you are going back into another part of government to do something similar or something that you need to do with your identification, for instance, that you don't have to put it all in again because it's already got that information because you and and I, Jerry, having been in government for so long, we know that government is lots of different agencies, but a lot of people expect that the government will talk to each other, government agencies, and actually they don't at the moment. So in most cases, so what we're saying is, as we've seen in New South Wales, there is a real opportunity for us to be much more enabling of people to get a better service and to take a customer service focus, which we've never seen in government, frankly. Um, but if we did, um, we'll get a way better outcome for people and productivity-wise, much better interaction. Um, and if New South Wales didn't do it, I have no idea why we wouldn't do it. Very true. Madeline, what's your view? Um, so I'm going to I'm going to bring up two two um, instances because as I said it's a really broad church and it's and it's and it's um, it's AI's application um, can touches everything the the way that we you said this at the beginning Jerry touches the way we live the way we um, the way we work the way we play um, uh, in various different ways but my two examples would be the first one is that um, AI loves to crunch data it loves loads and loads of data it loves pulling it together and it loves finding the patterns in that data that um, that inform um, uh, uh, that, that, that inform us form new insights so not things that we couldn't do ourselves but it might take us 20 years or 20,000 years to come up with the same um, the same and notice the same pattern. There was a really good example of this last year and um, uh, some vulcan volcanologists in New Zealand um, worked out how to predict um, uh, volcanic eruptions in some kinds of, in some types of volcanoes. One could say that's incredibly life-changing and, and a hugely important thing to be to be doing. Um, and there are, but there are other, lots of other examples of that where you can, um, you can use this massive intelligence to identify trends and patterns. And that means you could do that in, um, 
comms and marketing. You can do that in um, in the uh, you know if you're if you're um, setting your interest rates or mortgage rates and you're worried about erosion and th- you know and, and other climate change impacts, you can use this data, and you can make much more holistic decisions um, at the end at, at the end because you're um, it, it can think of so many things that you 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 probably could do if you had the time, but um, who's got twenty thousand years? Um, and the second one I'm going to give the, the uh, as an example is in advanced manufacturing. Um, so there was there's an advanced manufacturing ITP that came out um, uh, a year or so ago, um, and that in there it talks about um, talks about this. But but I've heard um, uh, there's there's a number of of, of sort of um, really good examples of, of how we can use AI in this space. So. If you have a if you have a plant, so a machinery that produces, um, let's say pasta, um, so you have some machines that produce pasta. Those machines, generally, if they're modern machines, they're collecting data all the time. Now you can treat your pasta factory like Air New Zealand treat their airplanes, where they look at all the data all the time and they do predictive maintenance because it's a bit of an issue if the airplane the airplane breaks mid-flight, um, and you know downtime is never good time. Um, when you're when you're in the airline business, but if you treat your factory in the same way, and you're doing predictive maintenance, your downtime when the factory breaks or when, when a part of that machinery breaks is is much less because you've already predicted or you've used that data over time to predict what maintenance you need to do as you go, and simply by doing that, you're now not waiting six weeks for a part from Italy. Um, your um, rather you've continued to work because you already had that part because you knew it was going to need to be replaced. One yeah. of the things that uh, is often said about new technologies is that it will destroy the workforce, that uh, less people will be required, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you could go through it, all of the things that uh, have come up in, in you know the last few years, last few decades, I should say, uh, where people are saying, well, we'll be down to only working three days a week because, you know, we won't be needed in various ways. Uh, what do you think will be the situation here? Because what if, oh, I would argue that actually it's the opposite. A lot of people are working a lot more. Uh, they're producing a lot more, uh, even though we're worried about productivity. Uh, and uh, the, the range of, of jobs that are out there now is, is quite um, considerably larger than it used to be. Are we in for, a, a, as a consequence of all this, uh, even more pressured lives or or is it going to be something that sort of starts to see that curve uh, head off the other direction? I don't. I, I don't think you go. You go, you go, you go first, first David. You go first, Madeline. You started. Yep. So, um, uh, for starters, I don't think your job will look the same in five years from now. I think I think everybody's job will have changed significantly, and in ten years' time, you probably won't recognise the job that you're doing. But that's not the first time that this has happened, um, and that that technology um, advancements like this have, have changed. I mean. Um, Back in the in the um, uh, in the in the seventies, there was a typing call. You'd be hard hard pressed to have found one of those in the last twenty years. Um, you know, in the last in the last twenty in the last fifteen twenty years, people have stopped having personal assistants and secretaries because um, they have the tools to do it themselves. Um, present company aside, because you have such busy lives, you need real people to do that. Um, but there are, you know, there are there are massive changes that have happened. I mean, you can look at um, most industries and see when there's been a massive shift in technology, and and it doesn't mean that you're not going to have a job in ten years' time. It just means that your job will look incredibly different to the way that it does today. And so we need to be we need to continue to be flexible. 
I think one of the other important things I really like to, to point out here is that New Zealand is really close to full employment. We don't have, we can't, uh, we have a skills gap in this area and we can't trade our way out of it by importing lots and lots of people. Um, so therefore, it's really important that businesses invest the time and effort to train their own people to um, uh, to uh, uh, to be able to um, utilize AI um, in, in whatever their context is, because that's they're your uh, they're your best hope of, of being able to address that skills gap. And I, and I would say, Jerry, is that every technological advance has been accompanied by people calling for the end, you know, saying it's the end of the world and the sky is going to fall down. Um, you just think about the introduction of the combustion engine um, and how people went from being blacksmiths um, and farriers to actually being motor mechanics and engineers and people who fitters and turners. So you end up with what every technological advancement has been someone saying, but something's going to change. Yes, it is. And by the way, it's going to get better. Um, do people really want to do those jobs? I mean, growing up on a farm, knowing what my parents had to grow up with, with you know, making haystacks with the with the Clydesdale uh, horse, and you know, and people having to do it by pitchfork, moving to um, balers, to automated balers, to now um, even even more automated. It, these are advances that actually make our lives better. And it means that we don't have to do the, the horrible drudgery jobs that we absolutely hate, but we also have to be constantly thinking about learning more. And, and that's where Madeline's point comes in. We don't have enough skills anyway. Um, we need to have people thinking about, wow, this is an opportunity. You know, let's learn something new. And um, that's what, you know, that's what makes us different from many other, um, uh, let's say, mammals, um, we're constantly needing to learn new stuff. Otherwise, we just die inside. So we've just got to do this. Yeah, look, I, I think I, there's I think one, 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 little bit, one little bit extra there. One little bit extra there, Jerry. So I'll give you, give you a really good example of um, how this technology can help. And um, there's a guy called Hammett, and he's running, he's the CEO of a new startup called um, sector and he is an eminent radiologist so he doesn't uh, and, and his tool set will allow him to make better decisions so he'll be able to look at your x-ray um, that's been cleaned up by AI and and make better decisions faster and that's really important to him because we don't have enough radiologists in New Zealand um, and we certainly don't have enough eminent radiologists and he wants the best for patients and he wants to spend more time with people and that's what these this this tool of his is um is being developed for that's uh that's a great uh example uh judith i have to tell you that there was a law on the new zealand statutes at one point that meant if you were driving down the road with in a built-up area uh with an internal combustion powered vehicle uh, you had to have someone in front of you with a white flag waving it to let them know uh, that the vehicle was coming it's not a law oh, that lasted very long, but it shows how it'll work. And I think don't, in, don't, in don't, don't give this government any ideas like that. Thank you. No, no. <laughs> in my lifetime, you might you might remember back to Clydesdale horses. I'm too young for that. But um, <laughs> in my lifetime, microwave ovens were uh, something that all sorts of things were predicted about what they would do to society. It was just terrible. Uh, you know, I'd argue that um, probably that invention has led to. And, and many others in that field have led to you know better quality of of, of appreciation of, of the great food that we have in New Zealand. 
So look, can I uh, thank you both uh, for coming into the backroom of politics today uh, to talk about what I think is going to be one of the most fascinating subjects and a very, very broad subject uh, in, the, in the years to come. Uh, something that is, is going to completely revolutionize uh, the way in which we live in ways that we can't even at this stage imagine. And I think uh, most of that is for the positive. So thank you, Judith. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you, Ms. Thank you very much, Madeline.